Welcome to We Got Balls, real, raw, masculine sex talk with Chris Inman and Scott Cohn. Chris and Scott both work with men who want to leave their unwanted sexual struggles in the past. They are willing to do whatever it takes to help men get curious about what drives their compulsive sexual behavior. With that said, here we go. Welcome back to the We've Got Balls podcast. Uh, Scott, I've got a little story for you. You ready? All right. Okay. All right, here we go. A young man pulls up to his grandparents' house. He notices his granddad sitting on the porch in a rocking chair. And, and he's sitting there with nothing on below his waist. And he's just shocked. And he's like, Grandpa, what the hell are you doing? And the old man just kind of looks off in the distance. And he, he didn't really answer his grandson. He just kind of looks and says, you know, I'm doing my thing. And he says, Grandpa, what are you doing sitting there with nothing on below your waist? And the old man just kind of looks at him slyly and he says, you know, well, last week I sat here with no shirt on and my neck got stiff. So this was your grandma's idea. <laughs> I mean, think about it, man. That yeah. is what every man, there's a whole pharmaceutical industry around this idea of penises and erections. You know, why, why is this, this piece with, um, with impotence, with 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 penises and the meaning that they that they give the symbols that they are to us. Why is it so significant in our culture and in our human experience? Well, I think um, think about what we ended up with, kind of coming to this conclusion in the last episode, which was really about penis size, right? And the research that there was some really compelling research that we found about how men are dissatisfied with the size of their penis or women and women are satisfied. Um, think about all the different aspects of meaning that are assigned to just the penis in general. So you have the size thing and the belief around size is the bigger the man, the bigger the penis. Right. But it's not just about size. That, that penis has to get hard, right? Because a real man is hard. A real man yes. can do hard things. And um, yes. <clears throat> so think about the word impotence versus mm -hmm. potency. Mm -hmm. um, when I'm potent, I'm powerful. That reminds me of a joke. Um, so uh, a guy was going to his um, physician because they'd had several kids and he was going to get a vasectomy. And so he uh, hired a limousine to take him to the doctor and come back. And he comes back and his wife wasn't aware that he was hiring a limousine for this. And he gets out of the car and she goes, what are you doing hiring uh, a limousine to take you to a vasectomy and back? He goes, well, if I'm going to be impotent, I might as well look it. <laughs> That's it. So That's... potency, potency is important. Like, that yeah. penis has to not only be big, it has to get hard. And it probably has to stay hard a long time, right? Because a real man knows how to use his penis to please his woman uh, for a long time. Like, yeah. so, but, but yet, what are all the common struggles that men have? We have struggles around um, 
erectile dysfunction, we have struggles with premature ejaculation, or we have struggles with anorgasm, not, not being able to have an orgasm. And yeah. a lot of those things are a part of kind of the, the current cultural milieu over watching a lot of porn, feeling a lot of guilt about it, or even just the stress of our really busy lives. And, and yet all of that creates a lot of shame. Yeah. And I think even deeper than that in, in the piece around uh, the, the, the symbolism of, of potence and impotence is this aspect of, you know, shame is rooted in, in the belief that there's something wrong with me. And if that part of my body is not working, then that's proof that there's something wrong with me. It's proof. And so, and, and even, even something as innocuous as, you know, when you're young and you're having wet dreams, right? There's, there's a shame factor to that unless it's brought into a context of, hey, this is part of being a human being. When you have an erection and you haven't ejaculated in a long time at night, sometimes you have an ejaculation in the middle of the night. And so there is this, there's this, but there's this tie in my experience between what my penis is and what it does and what it defines me as a man and how powerful I am, that there is something um, created in us to tie those things together. Well, that just makes me curious about your particular stories uh, around growing up. Like, how did you experience information from your dad or cultural information from other sources about your penis, how you were developing as a boy into a man. What, what was your experience with that like? Well, guess what? I grew up with mostly silence. I got one book and one talk. I got a book called Almost 12, which was like a cartoon book around sexual development. When I was about 11 or 12 years old, my mom gave me that. My dad had a sex talk with me when I was in the car coming back from my grandparents' house when I was in middle school. And that was the extent of my sexual education from my parents. Everything else came from the lunchroom table at middle school, came from my exposure to porn, came from uh, locker room talk, came from dirty joking. So my my connection to sexuality and especially my, my own body was very, very limited simply because there was a whole lot of silence around it. And, and I think in mm. that silence is baked in this idea of shame that I'm looking to find significance in an area that I don't understand at all. Yeah. So do you, do you feel like it's common that in areas of our lives, particularly around areas of our body where we feel a lot of shame, we look for ways to overcome that? in some kind of psychological way? Yeah. I mean, I think the way that I tried to overcome it was, you know, when I started using porn compulsively is I was, I felt a lot more comfortable with my body when I was using it as a, for lack of a better term, as a playground, you know, um, hmm. I was still ashamed of it, but I was a lot more in sync with it. And that obviously ended in all kind of catastrophic ways and relationships and in my own uh, pursuits in life, my, my spiritual, emotional pursuits in life. 
your approach in your family was one of kind of um, silence, which communicates a message, right, about these this yeah. area of our body. So we don't talk about this, um, and uh, we don't talk about it because it's not a it's not a good part of our body. Yeah, it's it's the it's the snake in the room proverbially. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that that is. Um, do you think it's more common that families don't talk about our bodies, particularly our penises, as boys? Um, they just don't talk about it, or do you think it's more common that families talk about it in a way that creates a lot of shame? So it's talked about, but it's always from a pathological. Like that's a dirty part of your body, or it's called funny names. That's your wee wee. We don't want to call it the real name because penis sounds weird. Um, or is that more common? Or do you think it's common where kids grow up and they have really healthy conversations as they're growing about, oh, that's your penis. And yeah, when that gets hard, that's called an erection. And that's really normal. That's how God made your body to function. What do you think is more oh, common? Ab in your absolutely the former. I mean, absolutely the silence is, is there. And I think it's because... There, at least, well, I'll speak from my own story. <clears throat> Nobody was willing to come out and say this matters. Talking about your penis, talking about sexuality, talking about human growth and development matters, because in the environment that I grew up, it was all um, intellectualized and de-emotionalized about doing the right thing. And of course, the only right thing that was accepted for me in my upbringing was doing nothing with my penis until I said I do on my wedding day and then having sex with my wife. That was the only mm -hmm. appropriate use for my penis. So that kind of tight control is an effort to kind of lock down desire, right? Until the societally or the culturally approved moment but it doesn't really help you deal with the desire that's at the base of all this, does it? No. And that's why I had this duplicitous life where on the one hand, I was the virginous groom who had never had sex with anyone before he got married. And on the, on the other hand, I was acting out with porn ritualistically. I mean, not, not even close to being every, every so often. It was daily, if not every other day. And that was back in the days where that was before high speed internet, when you had to do some work to go find out what you wanted to use to stimulate you. Uh, and so, you know, for me, uh, what I was really looking for was I was really looking for my masculinity. I was really looking for the, the, the energy, the power in my life that would make it meaningful. And I, I, I hid the reality of that search behind my uh, religious exterior. And that was, that was part of the duplicity. That's part of why we're sitting here right now is because I lived in that place of duplicity for decades and then finally had to make sense of that. So, but I know your story is a little different, Scott. I mean, you've, you've found meaning, uh, you know, and, and significance in your own story uh, around this topic in a different way, because not only was it for you a struggle with sexuality and finding significance and finding, uh, finding strength in that, but also it was about finding identity. 
Well, yeah. So it's interesting because until I started working on kind of my story and, and my journey with both my body and sexuality and masculinity, I hadn't really thought much about um, how, how my views of all of that got shaped and formed in my family. And mm -hmm. when I started working on it, this memory of um, an event that occurred over and over again when I was growing up, you know, kind of presented itself to me, which was I was at my grandma and grandpa's house. I was about one year of age and they had taken a picture of me standing naked on the couch. And the way the light was shown in the photo made me look like I was this really well-endowed baby. And they would show this photo for family reunions and Christmas time and everything. When we got together, there'd be slideshows. This was in the day of the carousel slideshow. And I remember sitting there with my aunts and uncles and grandparents and everybody would laugh and, you know, make jokes about the well-hung baby. And I was really confused because I didn't know if this was something I was supposed to be proud of or something I was supposed to be ashamed of. So there's a lot of confusion with that. And I'm not saying that my grandmother meant to harm me, but my grandma has her own story I'm discovering around this. And she was a very kind of earthy farm wife. And I remember oftentimes sitting around the uh, dinner table on her farm and they raised cattle and she would talk about the size of the ball balls on the bull. Wow. And so there was almost a sense in which um, genitals, male genitals were held this incredibly elevated status in my family. Um, and that was applied to me. So I was basically feeling like I was one of the farming, right. Wow. And being objectified yeah. like that. Um, how does that then show up later in my life? Well, it shows up in the fact that, you know, when I start showering with guys in middle school and high school and see where I compare with other guys, it becomes kind of a status symbol for me. And later on, the temptation to actually use that part of my body to get attention and affection became a really compelling way to get a jolt of that when I feel bad about myself. So, um, in my family, I almost had the exact extreme opposite situation where not only was my penis talked about, it was talked about in a way that made me feel like an object. Wow. And so here we got in both of our stories, two extremes in one side, we're not even talking about it. We don't talk about those things over here. We're right. talking about it in a really inappropriate way that mm. makes you feel yeah. sexualized objectified. Mm -hmm. Again, mm -hmm. not that anybody in my family intended to cause me harm, but it lays the groundwork for then how I view myself, what's important about me as a man, and how I get attention around that. So, mm -hmm. you know, un unfortunately, I think these two stories that we have are probably the bulk of what any man's story can be around his penis. It's either... Yeah. Um, not honored, you know, to honor means to speak well of. It's either not honored by not speaking well about it at all. And, you know, in so many of our religious communities, they try to shut down sexuality by using a lot of shame. And it's only sexuality in the body is only talked about in terms of pathological stuff. Like this is bad. This can destroy you. You know, it'll ruin your life. But you never hear any message about how good it is. And again, even the language that's used about as you're growing up, that's your penis, that's an erection, 
that's ejaculation. That's a wet. Like these things should just roll off our tongues without any embarrassment. And you have to wonder how much shame are our parents bringing into the equation in the way that they address these issues? Because they all have sexual stories as well. And so yeah. there's that side of it. And then there's what I would consider kind of the, that's maybe more of the religious side. And then there's the cultural side, which is like, well, it's all about the size of your genitals. It's all about your sexual performance. It's all about how many people you've had sex with. And there's no kind of middle ground, it seems, where sex is seen as this beautiful, uh, powerful, amazing thing that actually is something that we want to protect because we always protect what we treasure. And yet in one side it's vilified and the other side it's uh, worshiped. Where's the middle? Yeah. I mean, I, I resonate with you really strongly in that, Scott, thank you for sharing. I mean, that's not a story that you get, you usually keep those baby picture stories under wraps because you don't want to be talking, yeah. you don't want to talk about that junk. But I think you're you're hitting the the nail on the head when you talk about there being the need for tension around this. Is when we talk about penises, I think we're we're talking about something far greater. When we're talking about sex, we're talking about something that's far greater. They're both symbols for a human experience that we're struggling to get to. And whether it's you know skewed one side or the other the truth so often lies in the tension, lies in the middle between these two seemingly opposing ideas. And yet there's beauty there, like you said, in the middle. So I think we, we have to keep exploring this and, and seeing where is it in each of our stories? Where is it, listener, in your story where you um, have had these experiences or similar ex experiences or maybe something a little different, but you resonate with what it's like to feel objectified or to feel unseen in your experience around uh, the story of your penis and the story of your sexuality. So we want to keep exploring that and moving into that in times to come. So Scott, always great to spend time with you. Look forward to next time. Thank, brother. You, Thank you. Take care guys. We will talk to you soon on the, we got balls podcast. Don't forget to subscribe for more episodes. You can connect with Chris at PornFreeMasculinity.com and with Scott at SuccessfulMen.com.